Hey, Bob. How's it going today? I'm doing just fine. I haven't messed up anything yet, but it's early. <laughs> Being successful in Roswell is not about what you know, but about who you know. It seems on a regular basis that friends or newcomers to Roswell will ask me who they need to know to get something done. I've been born and raised here, and my family goes way back. So if you need to know who to talk to about something in this town, chances are we know who they are. We are connectors. Bob Entrup is one of those connectors. He knows half the town, too, and is always ready to connect with his trademark joyful demeanor. Bob, I need your help with something. I've I got a little research project I'm working on for a podcast, and uh, sure. if you got a second, lend some knowledge. I, I'd be happy to help. When it came to learning about my family and how we became so embedded into the culture of Roswell, New Mexico, I knew I needed a fellow connector to point me in the right direction. And Bob was the perfect man for the job. This is Crashed in Roswell, Survivors in a Misunderstood City. How long have you lived in Roswell? I was born in Roswell back in 1955. And you, and you freely admit 1955, too. <laughs> well, um, yes, I do. I freely admit 1955. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, so this podcast follows uh, a bit about my own family history and then how it relates to some of the Roswell history. When do you remember first hearing about my family in our, our jewelry company? And uh, do you remember kind of what, at the time, what the consensus of them, were they well-known at the time? Well, uh, my earliest memory, and it's funny, this that occurred to me once you told me you're going to be calling, but my earliest memory I, uh, is my shopping with my mother downtown. And, of course, the town was the only place to shop back then, and going into Bullock's Jewelry. And it was like the most beautiful place I had ever seen in my life. And uh, I, I can remember that. And, of course, uh, Bullock's uh, with the, 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 the big neon signage that there used to be was probably uh, the most visible store on Main Street with the moving neon. And, you know, it was, it was pretty spectacular. It was kind of like a movie marquee. So Bullock's had this larger-than-life uh, impression in my life uh, just from the name. Now, I didn't I didn't know any bullocks but just from the stature that you assumed on main street it seemed like uh, this was a pretty important store i've heard this kind of response many times before i'm grateful for the legacy my family has passed on to me and i don't take it lightly but things weren't always easy for the bullock clan in roswell i remember a dear friend and former employee of my dad's talking about what it was like at bullock's jewelry in the early 80s my dad had just taken over the store at the early age of 17 when his dad, my granddad Dixon, died of a brain tumor. At the time, there were three jewelry stores on Main Street, all within a block of each other. As this former employee puts it, the Bullocks were the third pony in a three-pony race. The small fry in a sea of big fish. The store had gone through a very hard season after Dixon had passed, and my dad did whatever he could to get along. So you remember back in the day when my dad had hair, maybe like in the 80s? 
Um, I re- I I met your dad. Uh, you know, there's a there's a picture of him there in the uh, in the store that I remember seeing with a lot of hair and a beard, and I remember when he looked like that. So he and I go back quite a ways. What was what was my dad like back? Uh, this like when he first he was young when he took over, which was seventy six. Yes, right. He was like nineteen or something, right? He, he something was seventeen. Like yeah, he was seventeen. Uh, wow, when, like, amazing. He took over. Yeah. What was what was he like? Do you remember him back in that day and uh, how people thought towards him back in the day? Well, first of all, I, I, I think everybody always thought highly uh, of Don and, um, um, and, and that he had been put into a difficult situation and was doing a good job. I think that was everybody's uh, impression. Well, there, there seems to be fewer and fewer people these days that know of my granddad, Dixon, um, yes, and I've always wanted to know more about, it, and it's kind of why I began this. Um, it's it's kind of like he came from a generation that seems really distant to us now, because you know his generation they saw wars and they saw world changes that I think we easily take for granted today because they're just been a part of our part of our lives now. But they saw that happening unfolding in their lives. What what do you think that generation um, had that made them so resilient to the changing world that they were in? I don't know. Was there anything that made them? I think circumstances is what made them resilient. I'm not sure that 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 uh, they are were different Americans than than you and I are, or the folks that came before. I think that, that when it came time to have to stand up and and do what they did. Uh, I, I think that sort of comes, I think that kind of comes natural to Americans. So I think I found somebody uh, who knew my granddad, um, old guy, uh, his name's John. Uh, you know, do you know him? I don't. Don't worry. I didn't forget about John, a.k.a. the alien kid. Truth be told, I thought nothing of the alien kid nickname from the back of my grandfather's photo other than it was quirky and unusual. Maybe it was a little curious, but the albums of my granddad were chock-full of little quirky jokes and names. What got me most excited was getting the chance to meet a man who had known my grandfather in his youth, someone who might have known who he was growing up. I just wasn't prepared for the twists in the story John would present for me. Out of respect for John, and for reasons that will become apparent by the end of this podcast, I will not be addressing him in this show by his last name. John was old. I would guess somewhere in his 80s. If my grandfather were still alive, he would be in his 90s. There was certainly an age gap, but it was the only living lead I had to my granddad's childhood. After a call to introduce myself to him, I managed to set up a meeting with John at his home later in the week. It took me a while to explain to him what a podcast was and assure him this wasn't a sales call, but eventually I got the point across. I just wanted to learn more about my family and the heritage I came from. I'm going to let you experience this first meeting mostly uninterrupted. I want you to experience it for yourself, firsthand, and only interject with additional information as needed. As a reminder, before you listen, this interview was done in the fall of 2019, long before the coronavirus shutdowns of 2020 were even a thought. 
I hate to think that had I waited, this interaction would not have taken place at all. I drove up to John's house on a Friday afternoon. He lives in downtown Roswell, where the homes all look like they beckon back to a heyday that has long since passed. The streets stay busy, mostly with traffic from people going to and from work. Nobody really pays any mind to these neighborhoods. John's house is unbecoming, a small gray bungalow surrounded by chain-link fence. His yard was mostly dirt, with tufts of weeds poking through the hard ground here and there. I think this is the place. A bird feeder hung in the brittle tree in his front yard, and bird seed was scattered across the ground. I realized as I drove up to it that I had passed this house a million times on my way to work, and a million more times growing up, and not once had I paid attention to it. Hey, John? Yeah. Uh, I'm Kyle Bullock. We spoke on the phone earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. How are you? All right, come, come in. Thanks. John's living room was small, packed to the brim with knickknacks and mementos. On one wall sat his TV screen, surrounded with military medals and an American flag. A picture on the wall of a young man in fatigues had faded from years of sunlight, a picture I assumed was of him. Back here. He led me to the back of the house, where we sat at a small kitchenette table. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. I hope you don't mind. I'm, I'm pretty forgetful, so I'm going to record this, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, thanks, thanks for meeting me, John. This is a pleasure. Well, if you weren't a bullock, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> The name goes way back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So you you knew my family, right? No, all my life. Really? I I was hoping uh, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about my family. My grandfather Dixon, uh, he died, of course, long before I ever knew him, and I I really love any opportunity I can get to to know who he was. And one of the things I knew he enjoyed because I have a lot of them. It, he loved taking pictures. And I had found one of them that had some water damage, so it was hard to see who was on it. But it had names on the back, and I did some research, and I, I found that one of these guys in this picture I have here is your, is that your brother Hank? Is his name? Yeah, yeah, it's Hank. And then I'm assuming, so that's him and Hank, and then there's, there's a younger kid in here, and it says on the back, alien kid. Is that, is that you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alien kid. Is that was that a nickname they gave you? I guess so. Huh. We don't we don't have to talk about you know the picture for a while, I guess. I was just curious. So anyways, tell me about about your family. Uh where where'd y'all come from? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought we were gonna talk about your family. Oh well yeah, we, we can. I just uh like I said, I was just kind of want to get a contact, a little bit of picture of who you were and, and how you knew them, I guess. Yeah. Like I say, that's my brother Hank. Yeah. Is he is he still alive? No. He died. Back in the I was in the sixties when I was in Nam. Sixties. And and your parents, um, of course I'm assuming they're they're not with us anymore. No. Um, they're both gone. My my dad <coughs> came back from uh, from the war, and he 
was uh, he was stationed here in World War Two, of course. Yeah, World War Two, stationed here with the 509th, and he was a mechanic, worked on the planes. Oh, really? Out, mm. uh, out of Walker. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, died not not long after he came back. Really? Yeah, liver gave out. No way! Wow. And your mother did she was she just at home with you, or did she have a job? No, she she was a nurse. A nurse. Were you, uh, at the hospital here? Was that, was that St. Mary's back then? No, out at the base. At the base? Oh, really? This is a good time to interject and talk about Walker Air Force Base. The base, as we still call it today, was used during World War II as an Army flying school and later became a strategic air command that was involved in the delivery of the atomic bomb. It boasts one of the largest runways in the world and plenty of clear skies to perform air exercises in. This was also the site where the debris from the UFO crash was taken. Some researchers even believe bodies were recovered from that crash and were taken to the base. Needless to say, the base was a big part of Roswell's life. It employed and provided for thousands in our community, both directly and indirectly. It was poised to develop us into a real epicenter of the Southwest. Then, in 1967, the base was closed abruptly. Little explanation was given. The government just wanted a downsize. Within a month, a third of our community was gone, either unemployed or restationed elsewhere. The effect the base closure had on Roswell was nothing short of devastating. I'll let Bob from earlier explain. I was in elementary school uh, when the base closed in 1966 or seven. So the actual economic impact, that, I was too young to, to appreciate what had happened. But as I grew up and moved into the business community here, I began to realize that Roswell had lost an entire generation. Uh, that the, 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 the sort of that next generation that was stepping up in, 19, in the mid-60s, in 1966, 67, that whole thing, most of them went away. And the generation before that, uh, people like Bill Brainerd, and uh, was the, the first name that I think of, is that they sort of had to do double duty. They had, uh, they had two different eras that they had to bridge. Uh, and, of course, there were some exceptions, you know, your dad being one, uh, you know, me being others. There were, there were folks that were there. Of course, we were actually the following generation. That was really what I just said isn't exactly right. So, yeah, I, I felt we've always lost a generation. The base leaving so abruptly signaled to Roswell that we were expendable, unnecessary, and ultimately forgettable. I think that last bit has been imprinted on our very DNA. So you guys, did you did you live out there? Because I know a lot of a lot of the guys who came back from the war, they lived out there by Walker. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what was it like to be a kid living on the base? Well, it was loud, busy, and loud. You ever hear a B twenty nine take off? <laughs> no, no. My actually, my my wife's grandfather worked on them. Uh, really, he, he lost his hearing from it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Don't doubt it. <laughs> so, uh, your mom, uh, she would y'all would have been out there. This would have been the nineteen forties when y'all were out at the base. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She would. So she was a nurse at the base in the forties. Yeah. So she would have been a nurse out there around the time that whole UFO crash thing happened, right? <sighs> 
What the hell are you doing? What? I don't. What is this really about? I'm sorry. What do you mean? I was just curious. If, I'm just curious <laughs> yeah. about about like everybody time. else is curious. You're just one of those crazies who want to make a buck off this thing. No. Oh no 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 no. It's not about. This isn't about that. I'm just again. I'm just trying to get some context about when you were out there and what was going on at the time. We don't have to talk about that subject if you don't want to. <laughs> I don't. Okay. No, that's fine. We can we can talk about something else. Um, I was just just curious. Um, I noticed on the way in, and, and you mentioned it earlier, that you were in the military, right? Yeah. That's something else I don't want to talk about. You know what? I, I think we're done here. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't mean any disrespect. So I, I hope, I hope you know that I, I was not trying to disrespect you or anything. I just wanted to talk about what was going on and, um, and learn about you. Um, so I, I'm sorry if that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, I, if you want me to go, I, we can talk another time, maybe. Yeah, I don't know why we would. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Uh, thank you for this time. I'm used to rejection. Working in sales, I get told no quite often. I don't take it personally. It's just part of the territory. Thanks, John. I uh, appreciate... <laughs> but with John, getting kicked out of his house felt like a knife attack. He was ticked, and it was my fault. <laughs> What's, what was that? Oh my god. That was intense for a second. Sheesh. If this is where the story had ended, I would have chalked it up to a crazy old man who didn't want to talk to me anyway. I may have lost a night of sleep over it, but nothing more. I might have turned it into a story I told my friends over drinks. But that isn't where this story ends. Not for John. No, his story was only beginning. On the next episode of Crashed in Roswell, I try to make sense of my meeting with John and reach out to family who might provide me with answers. They only make things more complicated. I also receive an unexpected message inviting me to a mysterious meeting at a Roswell landmark. A lot of man hours, time, and love went into this podcast. You can support all of the great people who have worked on this by visiting crashedinroswell.com where you can check out merch from our store as well as blog posts that dig even deeper into the story you've heard on the show. Crashed in Roswell is created, produced, and narrated by me, Kyle Bullock. The theme song is by Brian Hunley. Special thanks to David Langford and Ryan Bishop for their advice and help with this podcast. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Crashed in Roswell. That's Crashed, letter N, Roswell, to check out exclusive behind-the-scenes content and info for each episode. You can also learn more about me at KyleRBullock.com. 